The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Today, no war has been declared. And however fierce the struggle may be, it may never be declared in the traditional fashion. Our way of life is under attack. Those who make themselves our enemy are advancing around the globe. The survival of our friends is in danger. And yet no war has been declared. No borders have been crossed by marching troops. No missiles have been fired. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Road Warrior Radio. You're tuned in live this Wednesday, May 10th, 2023 on the one and only Republic Broadcasting Network. And as always, thanks for coming along for the ride. It is a wild and dystopic ride. How wild we could go on and on for some time. I could probably mention a hundred YouTube videos, for example, that have been published in just the last few days, perhaps. I think one of the craziest signs of where we are is that Zulily is effectively advertising uh, what amounts to child pornography on YouTube. And that sort of reminds me of the algorithms. Are we all supposed to be turning into Jeffrey Epstein? You know, the Harari's uh, hackable animals. The uh, future of education talk. Remember that? You might not know you're gay, but uh, Coca-Cola already knows. So maybe everyone's supposed to be a future Jeffrey Epstein, according to someone like Harari. That's how crazy the times are that we're living in. Um, On Republic Broadcasting Network right now, republicbroadcasting.org. How about this story from the Gateway Pundit? No proof exists that United States landed on the moon in 1969, says former head of Russia's space agency. That's interesting. Maybe because of what we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, Some of the crazy things that are going on lately. I mean, 
Bobby Kennedy Jr. is just going full uh, throttle into the assassination of his uncle, for example. And um, he mentioned Jim Douglas's book, which is very interesting. Uh, if you're not familiar, Jim Douglas, author of JFK and the Unspeakable, Why He Died and Why It Matters, for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to say that Jim Douglas's book is probably the most important book on the subject is very interesting. And uh, I would say Jim Douglas's book received wide uh, spread recognition, but considerably, uh, you know, comparatively little fanfare if that makes sense. And uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit today. Big things are happening. Vivek Ramaswamy, you know, perhaps you've heard these two guys are running for president and there should be, I mean, you know, people should be out in the streets. Uh, there should be a buzz. The atmosphere should be electric, I think. Vivek uh, is his his presence is electric everywhere he goes. Did you see him, for example, on Meet the Press with uh, what's his name? I forget. That was interesting. Uh, Chuck Todd, not Tim Russert. Tim Russert got the Russert treatment. He was asking Skull and Bones questions, for example. Um, Vivek's presence is electric, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is leaning in, <clears throat> all the way in, to you know certain subject matter. And uh, neither one of these guys seem afraid to confront the issues. Meanwhile... There's something very interesting going on. I, I think that there are sort of two sides of a conflict that are shaping up. It's almost like some people know some things that are happening. You know, we we hear about the woke stuff, the transgender stuff, and uh, you know, climate stuff, COVID stuff. But I don't think we realize the extent to which things are really getting crazy most people don't you're not going to well you know the reason why there aren't people in the streets and the atmosphere isn't electric like Vivek Ramaswamy's presence on meet the press with Chuck Todd for example is because the media is not telling people it's time to do that unfortunately I think that's a big part of it some people know uh, there is an article uh, the new uh, Federal Disinformation Office has created Big Brother adds Influence and Perception Management Office and Foreign Malign Influence Center to his arsenal. That's uh, Peter McCullough's substack. The article by John Lake begins, The Intercept recently reported the creation of two new federal offices to combat disinformation. Wink, wink. Who is the primary target? 
I think that we could probably take a cue from Ralph McGahey. The CIA is not now, nor has it ever been, a central intelligence agency. It is the covert action arm of the president's foreign policy advisors. In that capacity, it overthrows or supports governments while reporting intelligence, quote-unquote, justifying those activities. I think they call it stovepiping, right, where you look through a straw and find something. There it is while you ignore the surrounding intelligence and facts. It shapes its intelligence even in such critical areas as Soviet nuclear weapon capability to support presidential policy. But here it is. Disinformation is a large part of its covert action responsibility, and the American people are the primary target audience of its lies. Indeed, that's been really kind of its modus operandi since its creation, since the resurrection of the OSS from the ashes of World War Two. So uh, there's some interesting stuff happening. This article pointing to the Intercept article titled The Government Created a New Disinformation Office to Oversee the Other Ones. And uh, Ken Klippenstein wrote an interesting article. Government created a new disinformation office to oversee the other ones. The new Foreign Malign Influence Center oversees efforts that span U.S. military, law enforcement, intelligence, and diplomatic agencies. If I didn't know better, I'd swear that you know things like what Norman Dodd said were happening that were in the works a hundred years ago were occurring, capturing. Uh, departments like the State Department, for example. Chuck Todd thought it was amusing that Vivek Ramaswamy wanted to replace the FBI with another FBI. But, you know, I mean, some people say, well, why don't you just reform it? Again, that's like pruning. So if you prune a thorn bush, what happens? You get more thorns. So from... Ken Klippenstein's uh, Intercept article within the federal government, offices dedicated to fighting foreign disinformation are springing up like daisies. And by the way, it might be interesting if we kind of pay attention to alt media that seems to be on the rise at the same time. Remember how right around September 11, 2001, just prior in the late 90s, there were some rumblings and a lot of folks were getting into the PMC uh, business. You know, there were more Blackwaters created, for example. For those of us in the Pacific Northwest, we recall, especially the Idaho Panhandle area, that Eric Prince acquired the Backup Training LLC he actually signed the um, application for a limited liability company himself. His name was on it. He signed it. And uh, the the acquisition of the Backup Training LLC, which at the time boasted itself the world leader in CD-ROM-based law enforcement training, which meant that Blackwater, essentially a mercenary army, a Praetorian Guard 
you know, soldiers for hire, was now directing law enforcement training, CD-ROM based particularly in this case. And it, it had a direct line into all the post academies around the country, which basically means that the post academies effectively became militarized with that acquisition. You know, in a sense, they became um, you know, kind of a an extension of a SOCOM kind of uh, mindset or ideology, if nothing else. So, continuing from the article, within the federal government, offices dedicated to fighting foreign disinformation are springing up like daisies from the Pentagon's new Influence and Perception Management Office to at least four organizations inside the Department of Homeland Security alone, as well as ones inside the FBI and State Department to oversee the growing efforts which arose in response to concerns about the impact of Russian meddling in 2016 in the 2016 election, but have now expanded. <clears throat> the Director of National Intelligence has created a new office. In testimony... Before the Senate Armed Services Committee Thursday, Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, Event 201, Avril Haines, for the first time mentioned the creation of the Foreign Malign Influence Center, or FMIC, quote, Congress put into law that we should establish a Foreign Malign Influence Center in the intelligence community. We have stood that up. Man, I hate that phrase. Haynes said, referring to legislation passed last year. It encompasses our election threat work. Our election threat work. Isn't the, isn't the language curious? It's ambiguous. It's, you know, intentionally opaque. Your election threat work. You mean you're threatening elections? at foreign influence and interference in elections, but it also deals with disinformation more generally. There you go. The FMIC was established on September 23rd of last year after Congress approved funding, but its creation was announced publicly only after the Intercept's inquiry because it is situated within the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, or ODNI. It enjoys the unique authority to marshal support from all elements of the U.S. intelligence community to monitor and combat foreign influence efforts, such as disinformation campaigns. The FMIC is authorized to counter foreign disinformation targeting not just U.S. elections, but also, quote, the public opinion within the United States. No one can do that. That's our business. Should we play the Mika Brzezinski clip here? The public opinion within the United States generally, according to the law. Haynes also made clear that the effort to counter disinformation has expanded beyond not just elections and Russia, but also the other foreign adversaries. I feel like there should be, maybe there should be the reminder at this point, uh, Madison 
considered by many the father of the Constitution, though he considered it a dubious distinction, uh, who warned that a standing military force with an overgrown executive will not long be safe companions to liberty and that the means of defense against foreign danger have been always the instruments of tyranny at home. We should probably keep that reminder front of mind. I also think that maybe it would be a good time. You know, I, I thought maybe we should play the Ghost in the Machine PSYOP intro today. And I think the, the timing of its publication is curious. And I think it coincides with what I'm talking about now. This proliferation of disinformation offices. I don't think it's a coincidence. You know, I think that the Smith-Munt Modernization Act was just really um, the tip of the iceberg. And now we're seeing this go full tilt, just like we did just prior to September 11, 2001. Everybody got into the PMC business. Now, all of a sudden, this is happening. And, of course, if you're in the technology business and you can create technology that coincides with these efforts, then, gosh, why wouldn't you? You know, you could be a billionaire overnight, and that's what really matters, right? Not Certainly not principle. So, FMIC is authorized to counter... Foreign, foreign disinformation targeting not just U.S. elections, but also the public opinion within the United States generally according to law. You know, you can see – I think you can see the writing on the wall for a lot of things. Uh, we're hearing rumblings. You know, people are dismayed that, for example, the DNC, since it has a sitting president in a fashion anyway uh, – is maintaining what some may argue is standard operating procedure, at least since, you know, in the modern era, since about 1970, uh, both Republican and Democratic parties have not held uh, debates if they have a sitting president. That's not unusual necessarily although there are polls that say that even democrats you know and who can believe the polls but there are polls that say upwards of 80 percent of democrats polled believe that there should be debates for obvious reasons when sleepy creepy joe wanders off and tries to find his way out of uh, public events, There, there is legitimate concern, I think. So, you can, you can imagine where this propaganda management or, or, or disinformation targeting machinery might go. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break.
Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately-issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing? The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else... Tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, 602-799-8214. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Welcome back. I probably shouldn't spend too much time on this. I just wanted to maybe give a little background. But, you know, how crazy? I mean, we could go on and on. Like, uh, how about 
Khadija Safjar, Safdar and uh, David Benoit's Wall Street Journal article series about the the Epstein stuff and the contact uh, lists. Um, that's interesting, you know. And how everybody is saying, well, that that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that Noam Chomsky is a freak, for example, or uh, it's not not an admission of guilt or anything. But you know, Bill Gates is obviously back in the headlines. Large. Speaking of the CIA, um, William Burns, Woody Allen, Mort Zuckerman. Uh, Larry Summers, Leon Black, you know, folks at Goldman Sachs again. This is, you know, and this isn't really, I mean, this kind of stuff isn't even moving the needle for people. That, I think, is probably the most shocking about kind of where we are. You know, guys like Noam Chomsky... I mean, William Burns, you would expect, oh, I was just talking to Jeffrey Epstein for some, you know, career advice. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. Probably more interesting if it's true. Maybe that's not funny. But um, this is the world we're living in. It's a crazy world. You know, the devil is hiding out in plain sight and it doesn't necessarily move the needle. I think that's interesting. Interesting. Um, let's see. Some things. Well, you know what? Maybe we should start here. I want to get back to this JFK, RFK stuff. The disinfo panic. There's some really interesting stuff floating around. People, I think, you know, I think there is, on the winds, there's an effort, you know, by many to sort of think for ourselves and to sift through the lies and things. It's not easy. There's a considerable effort to deceive and to foment a clash of civilizations speaking of that in Jim Douglas in his book the picture that Jim Douglas paints by the way is one of you know opposition to the fear mongering the warmongering, and that John Fitzgerald Kennedy was actually uh, interested very interested in working toward world peace Ironically, you know, we hear that organizations like the United Nations were created for that purpose, though, like Muammar Gaddafi mentioned in his what I call 9-11 truth speech, September 23rd, 2009, I think, around the same time that Jim Douglas spoke at the uh, – the um, – What do you call it? The uh, Coalition on Political Assassinations Conference. Around the same time, uh, 
shortly before, obviously, Muammar Gaddafi gave that what I call 9-11 truth speech and was talking about that. You know, this organization was created. We here for this purpose. He was he was uh, calling for uh, reopening investigations into the assassination of Kennedy and others like Patrice Lumumba. Anyway, Jim Douglas paints, paints an interesting picture, one that is not often recognized by folks. And speaking of that, um, you can find that talk at the 2009 Coalition on Political Assassinations conference on Vimeo, viewed 400 and almost 50 times, 445 times, I think. Wow. So that's interesting. And uh, David Ratcliffe over Radical, R-A-T-I-C-A-L dot org, has uh, archived that. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. the truth you're listening to republic broadcasting network real news real talk real people because you can handle the truth standing six foot four weighing in 245 pounds of crime fighting political science analyzing broad ladies and gentlemen dr patrick slattery so mike get off this anti-cicada agenda I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the Republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the Republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be the bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop and lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop and lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Easeoff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. While we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country... Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, 
We also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org, and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us. 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3. Welcome back. Uh, you know, speaking of David Ratcliffe's preservation of the meeting, it's it's more than that. It's a transcript of uh, all of it, the entire meeting, and uh, that includes that includes the Q and A afterward. That includes the introduction by the late great John Judge and. Um, Key points in Jim Douglas's keynote address. It's pretty amazing. It's a transcript of the entire event, linked, hyperlinked, with some great stuff. And uh, if you're not familiar, I would encourage you to look that up over at radical.org, R A T I C A L.org. And the title is Jim Douglas on the Hope in Confronting the Unspeakable and the Assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, Copa, Dallas, 11-20-09. And um, it includes the editor's note. This is an annotated transcript of the complete recording of this presentation by Jim Douglas that began with Bill Kelly's original transcript of just the keynote address as a starting point. The book referenced here is the 2010 Simon & Schuster softcover edition of Jim Douglas's JFK and the Unspeakable, and of course the subtitle, Why He Died and Why It Matters. Editing of the recording, all hyperlinks and endnotes by David Ratcliffe, and I think that should give you some idea of how important and pivotal this all is. Jim Douglas speaks to that in his keynote address. And, you know, it has rippled out from there. And again, Bobby Kennedy Jr. himself, in speaking about these events, has referred to Jim Douglas's book as probably the premier work on the subject. So... Uh, for someone who had a very front row seat in the events that unfolded during the time, you know, maybe that's worth paying attention to. So 
where do we go from here? Um, there are some interesting things happening. Maybe we start with this. Maybe we start with um, the Tucker Carlson thing. Maybe we'll do that first. <clears throat> There's uh there's a lot floating around. If if you know if you're monetizing views and clicks and things, Tucker Carlson is big money these days, I think. And so there's a lot of that stuff floating around. A lot of it being uh repackaged. And this is just such a thing. This is one of those things. So this is uh, Tucker Carlson's recent announcement. Go ahead, please. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. You often hear people say the news is full of lies, but most of the time that's not exactly right. Much of what you see on television or read the New York Times is in fact true in the literal sense. It could pass one of the media's own fact checks. Lawyers would be willing to sign off on it. In fact, they may have, but that doesn't make it true. It's not true. At the most basic level, the news you consume is a lie, a lie of the stealthiest and most insidious kind. Facts have been withheld on purpose, along with proportion and perspective. You are being manipulated. How does that work? Let's see. If I tell you that a man has been unjustly arrested for armed robbery, that is not, strictly speaking, a lie. He may have been framed. At this point, there's been no trial, so no one can really say. But if I don't mention the fact that the same man has been arrested for the same crime six times before, am I really informing you? No, I'm not. I'm misleading you. And that's what the news media are doing in every story that matters every day of the week, every week of the year. What's it like to work in a system like that? After more than 30 years in the middle of it, we could tell you stories. The best you can hope for in the news business at this point is the freedom to tell the fullest truth that you can but there are always limits. And you know that if you bump up against those limits often enough, you will be fired for it. That's not a guess. It's guaranteed. Every person who works in English language media understands that. The rule of what you can't say defines everything. It's filthy, really, and it's utterly corrupting. You can't have a free society if people aren't allowed to say what they think is true. Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it's enshrined in the first of our constitutional amendments. Amazingly, as of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter, where we are now. Twitter has long served as the place where our national conversation incubates and develops. Twitter is not a partisan site. Everybody's allowed here, and we think that's a good thing. And yet, for the most part, the news that you see analyzed on Twitter comes from media organizations that are themselves thinly disguised propaganda outlets. You see it on cable news. You talk about it on Twitter. The result may feel like a debate, but actually the gatekeepers are still in charge. We think that's a bad system. We know exactly how it works, and we're sick of it. Starting soon, we'll be bringing a new version of the show we've been doing for the last six and a half years to Twitter. We bring some other things, too, which we'll tell you about. But for now, we're just grateful to be here. Free speech is the main right that you have. Without it, you have no others. See you soon. So there you go. Um, 
if Twitter is the place where our national conversation incubates and deve- develops, I think we have proven Neil Postman right. Uh, 280 characters is certainly not the Lincoln-Douglas debates. So <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, you know, that's that's something something that people are talking about. And again, I think that that with the backdrop of the the great disinformation panic, as you know, some are calling it. I mean, we saw through COVID the the you know the disinfodemic stuff, the infodemic stuff. Um, James Corbett did a an interesting one in particular one interesting piece and isn't it isn't it fascinating how the same people who create the problem are right there with just in time solutions to the problems they're they're fomenting um we heard that obviously in the event 201 stuff you know and the flooding of the zone and that kind of stuff that came out in the scenario planning aka wargaming of what immediately turned into the COVID shenanigans. Um, Jacob Siegel has written something interesting. His piece is titled A Guide to Understanding the Hoax of the Century. And uh, Server at Tablet Magazine. He was interviewed recently by the folks at uh, Reason and it's actually a really interesting interview. Some interesting things are happening. All of this sort of goes together and the, the pieces that people are putting together are very interesting. I wonder if I can sort of weave this together. Um, one piece, let me see if we can just Start with this. Speaking of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Whoops. Um, a lot floating around. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this together, and we'll put the reason interview together. the The interview that Mike Adams did with Robert. F. Kennedy Jr. was actually I was very impressed good job Mike Adams that was a great interview and um, by the way uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. He, he mentioned during that interview that they're trying to raise money they have to raise 5 million dollars I think by July to uh, to qualify for the debates, he's trying to do that. He said they they didn't get to start raising money until was it a month or two ago? And it's difficult because you know this is a grassroots deal, and he didn't have he didn't begin with a war chest like so many do, as he mentioned. So uh, it's difficult, and so the word should get out far and wide ASAP to. You know, as they say, sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. And 
Bobby Kennedy Jr., Vivek Ramaswamy, and others have said, wouldn't it be great to just air some of this controversial subject matter out in the public square? I think it would be fantastic. So this is interesting. We probably won't get through all of it in this segment, but it's a it's a uh, this is a bit from Brianna Joy Gray and Robbie Sove over at the Hill, and um, the Hill's rising, and it's you know the clip is titled. RFK Jr., my father, Bobby Kennedy's first instinct was that the CIA killed JFK. And they play the clip from the Hannity interview. But – and that's all interesting. We'll, we'll probably play most of this. There's some interesting stuff that comes at the end. Robbie's observation at the end is very interesting. I think it's very prescient, and it coincides, in my opinion, with uh, Jacob Siegel's Reason interview and what he says and what he's talking about in his uh, guide to understanding the hoax of the century. So anyway, let's, let's begin with the Hill piece. Can we play that, please? Democratic presidential candidate RFK Jr. had some interesting remarks about potential government conspiracies involved in deaths in his own family, making these remarks on Sean Hannity's show the other night. Let's watch. The day that my uncle was killed, I was picked up at Sidwell Friends School and brought home the first phone call that my father made after J. Edgar Hoover told him that his brother had been shot was to the CIA desk officer in Langley, who was only a mile from our house. Yeah. And, and, and my father said to him, did your people do this? His next call was to Harry Ruiz, who was one of the Cuban uh, Bay of Pigs leaders who had remained very, very close to our family and to my father. My father asked him the same question. Then my father called John McComb, who was the head of the CIA, and asked him to come to the house. Macomb came over, and when I came home from Sidwell Friends School, my father was walking in the yard with John Macomb, and my father was posing the same question to him. Was it our people who did this to my brother? So it was my father's first instinct that the agency had killed his brother. We could spend the whole... That is a fascinating escalation of some statements he's been making recently, speaking specifically to his personal experience of of seeing his father kind of react and process to the news of his brother's assassination. Certainly lends, in my eyes, some credibility to this argument that he's been making. How do you think this is going to go over? Certainly. uh, The idea that that would be the first thought of his father, of Bobby Kennedy, you know, given and Bobby Kennedy's own um, proximity to top law enforcement, national security, intelligence, spy people, the knowledge he would have had about what organizations, government organizations like the CIA had done in other countries would give him, would make him think, oh, is this them at work? Absolutely should raise questions and should make people more 
concerned about the potential involvement or a potential cover-up. Look, this is why it was a very, um, look, it was something that a lot of Americans were very unsure about for decades and to this day continue to be. I I don't think anyone is satisfied with exactly how long the government has kept hidden Uh some of these files that, you know, they're the ones always saying, if if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to hide. Well, why doesn't that apply to them? Right, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And look, so I dug up, there was an old um, interview with Evan Thomas, who was an RFK senior biographer with ABC News. And this is how Thomas described Robert Kennedy Sr. receiving the news of his brother's death. He said, Robert Kennedy is sitting by his pool. It's a warm day, warm November day. And he's sitting by his pool at Hickory Hill. He's having a conference about organized crime, actually. And the phone rings somewhere in his house. I think, but there's a poolside phone as well. And he picks it up and it's J. Edgar Hoover telling him, the director of the FBI, telling Robert Kennedy, the attorney general, that JFK has been shot in Dallas. Bobby Kennedy later recalled that Hoover had no more emotion in his voice than if he was telling him that they just discovered a communist on the faculty of Howard University in Washington. In other words, there was no grief. Yeah, I'm going to put that shade to the side. In other words, there was no grief, no sympathy. There was no inflection of surprise. Just in a flat voice, the director of the FBI told Bobby Kennedy that his brother had been shot. He wasn't dead yet, but just shot. Bobby, of course, was stunned. He put his hand up over his eyes, told the others there that his brother had been shot. Ethel came over and put her arms around him, and obviously he was in a state of near shock. Although pretty quickly, even after he finds out his brother is dead, he gets on the phone and he starts trying to find out who killed his brother. He goes on to say, Robert Kennedy had a fear that he had somehow gotten his own brother killed, that Robert Kennedy's attempts to prosecute the mob and to kill Castro had backfired in some terrible way, had blown back, as the intelligence folks say. And in fact, he said to Ed Guthman, Robert Kennedy said to Ed Guthman, the spokesperson, as they walked along that afternoon, right after he was killed, that there'd been so much hate, I thought they'd get me. So, like, there are these contemporaneous accounts now. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that... Uh, J. Edgar Hoover not showing emotion is such <laughs> it's a positive. positive thing. Uh, was he a famously uh, <laughs> cried at the drop of a hat? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, but it, it is. It, there is a reason why there is so much kind of cultural investment in what happened that day. There were too many incentives by people all across the political spectrum, as we've discussed, mm-hmm. to want to end that presidency, to want to end the kind of grip that that well, the immediate murder of the politics. killer made it so that it would seem Absolutely. very suspicious because it was objectively suspicious yeah. to you know to everyone yeah and, and jack ruby had was rumored to have potential organized crime connections or at least to have known people who would have been in organized crime the the crackdown on the mafia is genuinely true um, the ties between Harvey Oswald and uh, the Cuban ties are, are real. They're not made up. They're not it, it, like all of that raises the the specter of involvement of those groups. And mm-hmm. then we, we know as RFK, again, I'll say as RFK Jr. or as RFK knew and RFK Jr. observed that. The U.S. government does shady things, Yeah, did shady things at that time, has continued to do shady things to this day. One of Trump's best moments was when uh, he was asked about, I think, uh, uh, Putin interfering in elections. He says, we do some nasty stuff, too. A lot of killers, Bill. A lot of killers, Bill. It's my favorite (laughs) Trump line of all time. Well, look, I think this is also playing a really interesting role in how RFK Jr. is being cast in the context of this election, because he very much is running as a Democrat and has I am a Kennedy Democrat branded across his website materials. 
and yet has been embraced by independents and right-leaning people, I think because stories like this, his positioning in history, his family's positioning history in these ways, puts him at in this adversarial position to the deep state and obviously influential parts of our government, despite superficially running well within the warm embrace of the Democratic Party and his family, not him, obviously. And so it's there's a way that these kind of stories help to... Um, concretize his outsider status, rightly or wrongly. And I wonder if that's part of why there's this em- em- emphasis on on this aspect of his own history at this time, even though obviously it has very little to do with contemporary policy debates. Well, and of course, the persecution that many conservatives and Republicans feel at the hands of national security type people, you know, the deep state, that's very palpable. That animates a lot of conservative media, a lot of viewers of conservative media. It's animating some level of policy activity on Capitol Hill, the weaponization of the federal government hearings, the Twitter files, all of that stuff. You know, that's a major, uh, among conservatives who are tuned in enough to be watching Sean Hannity's show, that's something that they're interested in. Uh, at, At some point in the last, like, 20 years, Republicans became the more conservatives, became the more skeptical movement, skeptical of everything. Mm. They used to just be skeptical of universities and the education system and like the media, but they weren't skeptical of the CIA. They mm. weren't skeptical of, of, of the generals. Now they're skeptical of every institution there is. I was reading a fascinating poll. We actually could have done a whole separate thing on this. Fascinating poll the other day, you probably saw this, of uh, trust in specific media institutions oh, among yeah. Democrats and Republicans. And people were joking. It was funny that Dem- there was more Democrats had more trust in several conservative outlets, mm-hmm. National Review, The Washington Examiner, a few others, than Republicans did. And people were saying, isn't that interesting that Democrats trust National Review more than Republicans do? But they're getting that wrong because yeah. what that poll is picking up on is that Democrats are more trusting Period. They're more trusting of anything. So any list of things is going to show more trust among Democrats than among Republicans. Republicans are the group that does not have trust. Democrats are institutionalists through and through. Yes. And so RFK Jr. is actually uh, the perfect person to... to tap into that distrust of institutions, given his, you know, the things he said about various COVID subjects and also his own family's history, yeah, you know, rightly right. or wrongly with, with the institutions having anything to do with it. And, you know, maybe they didn't. I don't, I'm not particularly persuaded that they did. Yeah. But uh, that's why it's, he's going to be making a very interesting splash in the conservative media ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. And we'll see how the liberal media institution uh, <laughs> continues to treat him. Bob more rising right after this. Very interesting, very interesting observations. Uh, Robbie makes the interesting observation that uh, it's, you know, you you heard them talk about, and it's a somewhat reductive conversation, obviously, but in context, I think that's fine. So you have, you know, this group, you know, as Robbie said, what the poll is picking up on is that Democrats are more trusting, period. They're more trusting, and um, you hear Brianna say that Democrats are institutionalists through and through. Very interesting in a broader context. And again, you know, we'll, we'll probably get to um, Jacob Siegel's remarks, which I think and when we start putting this stuff together, it, it's very interesting. And also, again, 
with all of this disinformation, you know, the disinfodemic stuff in the backdrop. Very interesting, you know. Um, I think it's interesting if we could all. There, there are just some really interesting forces uh, shaping up, you know. Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s presidential bid, Vivek Ramaswamy, you know, the sunlight as an antiseptic, conversation happening, conversations not as reductive, people uh, less inclined to, um, I don't know, I think there's a, you know, Jimmy Dore made an interesting observation recently about the Trump-Russia collusion thing and uh, the fact that the word collusion was used instead of conspiracy because the word conspiracy obviously has been um, weaponized by the folks that killed Kennedy um, or that played a major role, certainly, that orchestrated it. Um That that uh, term has obviously been weaponized, and so you can't use the word conspiracy. You got to use the word collusion because conspiracy, conspiracy theory, um, those obviously are terms that are reserved for a specific weaponization. So. Um, going back to the the cover-up of the crime and um, the original CIA memo 1035-960 that mentioned the use of the term conspiracy theory to vilify and demonize people who would actually look into things for themselves stick around we'll be right back second hour coming up right after this short break People who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs. For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 